And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Call 1-800-DIRECTV. Claim based on total games carried on sports networks. Sports availability varies by zip code and requires choice package. Terms and restrictions apply. Hey folks, welcome into On to Waveland. It's the Cubs podcast here at The Athletic. I am Brett Taylor, joined by Sahadab Sharma and Patrick Mooney, each of whom are actively engaging the glutes and get to why say such a thing uh, shortly, but we're here to talk Cubs baseball uh, fresh off the series loss to the Rays. Uh, rain soaked though, I feel very confident in saying the Cubs would have come back and won last night's game. They were merely <laughs> six runs down uh, at the time. The it's Rays the best came. offense in baseball or yeah, it was. I mean, what, are you going to count them out? I don't get know. out of here. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so we got a we got a, a variety of things to talk about. We're going to talk about a trio of players that then connect to some larger issues, and I think yeah, that's that's how we'll play it out. So the you know the game last night obviously started out just just right from the jump, not great. the The first Marcus Stroman's first inning, um, we were seeing some of the same issues that we saw in his start out in Colorado, uh, most most I guess visibly noticeable was uh, an inability to command the sinker a lot of bell high a lot of losing at arm side just kind of the same stuff we were seeing in Colorado and I saw in his comments after the game you know that that he does feel off mechanically um, that he's not feeling synced up on any of his pitches Um, and you know it shows but it also happens Um, I want to get out in front too by noting that and, and this isn't hindsighting. I was saying it live as I was watching. Um, he was not getting some calls that weren't even, I don't even know that I would call them like super borderline. There were a couple in that Choi walk that it was like, what? These are just standard strikes. Why are you not calling these strikes? And then of course the home run comes after that. I, I'm not saying it's, that's not what defines the performance. It wasn't one of those where like, oh, he's pitching really well and he just kind of got screwed on some bad timing, bad calls. It's not that. There are legit issues. It's just, it wasn't quite a seven earned run for inning performance. Like, it just wasn't that bad. So, whatever. I just wanted to moderate our thoughts with that at the outset. But other than that, give me give me the reaction to the Stroman outing. Give me give me your fieriest take. No, I know that you don't have a fiery <laughs> take. So, so go, go. Well, I I think you touched on it in a I think it was you or it was Michael whoever wrote the post today on was on it good? It was, it was me. <laughs> but but ultimately, fans should remember John Lester's first month uh, with the Cubs ended with like a ERA above six. Right. That that's the first thing we need to remember. I got a couple comments already yesterday, and I know we can't take Twitter too seriously. But of people like this guy's a bust. What do they waste their money on? Right. Like. It, 
I sometimes am still surprised by people saying this, but then I have to remember, okay, not, you know, people react instantly to what they're seeing on their screen instead of thinking about the big picture here. He's a mess mechanically. He, he's, he's told us that. He said it after the start in Colorado. It's, it's still true now. He doesn't feel right. And he's not the type that will say, well, it's this very specific thing, right? He he likes to feel his flow, as he says, and and I get it. Like it's it's something that he's very into his mechanics, and and I I specifically asked him. I was like, when you're thinking about it this much, that's part of the problem, right? And he's like, exactly. You can't. I when I'm up there, if if I'm locked in, mechanics aren't on my mind. But he's feeling everything right now. Uh, and he's overthinking things to an extent, and uh, I think yesterday you could see flashes of him locked in, and then it would go away, and that's exactly what he said. He said, there were pitches where I felt, yep, there it is, I got it back, and then the next pitch would be gone. So he's not he's not synced up. Uh, is this a spring training issue? Is this an April issue? Is this a new team issue? Who knows? It, in all likelihood, it'll it'll he's going to get into a rhythm and and go on a run where he looks like, you know, a top of the rotation pitcher. Uh, the Cubs just need it to happen sooner rather than later, right? You don't want too many of these starts, especially when, uh, who knows how long a guy like Drew Smiley is going to be pitching like he is? How 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 much can you count on uh, Justin Steele to be a strong starter? Uh, they have Mark Leiter pitching again today. So, you know, I, I don't want to take anything away from those pitchers, but their history suggests that there's going to be in some bumps on in the road with them. So they need uh, Stroman to get locked in. But this is, for me, this is a really big case of for fans, for all of us to take a step back. Remember, the, look at this guy's history. One of the, I think, since 2019, like he's like sixth or seventh, he's top ten in ERA in the among starting pitchers uh, who have thrown at least 300 innings since 2019. So, so he's going to be fine in all likelihood, un- unless there's something just physically wrong with him, which all indications are he's he's perfectly healthy, and this is a guy that you know makes his starts every fifth day and is in tip top shape. So he, I, I trust he'll get it right. I mean, I definitely misread this in spring training because all you know I heard was how you know uh, you know training is my lifestyle and like as you know the day after the season ends I'm back in the gym and I was throwing every day and like I thought Strowman's kind of program um, just his feel for pitching the fact that he had signed before the lockout and wasn't scrambling before opening day like. The fact that he knows how to pitch and has a good, you know, sense of his craft. Like, I thought this guy would hit the ground running, and I thought Kyle Hendricks would too. And I thought if you were going to paint the rosiest scenario possible for the Cubs, it was going to be those two guys absorbing, you know, a lot more innings than you know, maybe other teams uh, had at the top of their rotation. And, like, that those guys would be locked in. I mean, Stroman pitched, you know... I don't know, it was the first or second Cactus League game over at Scottsdale Stadium. And, like, I think he got up to, like, two innings immediately, said how great he felt, everything's coming out. And granted, that's spring training. But, you know, even, you know, Tommy Hadovy, when I kind of presented that idea to him, he's like, you know, Kyle and Marcus are two of the best in terms of their diligence, their preparation, you know, how well they know their bodies and what they need to do to get ready. So I thought, you know, those two were, like, your 
best bets to um, have the Cubs, you know, create some sense of momentum. I, you know, certainly didn't see like, you know, Drew Smiley pitching the way that he has. So I'm sure all of this will uh, even out, but um, no doubt a, a disappointing start for him. Great point. I hadn't even thought about the fact that both Stroman and Hendricks are guys uh, for all the reasons you mentioned and also by the nature of their style of pitching that you feel like, okay, if they know clearly what they're doing next season, you know, they know where they're going to be, like they will be the type that won't need this super long ramp up of getting the mechanics right, getting the velocity just right, all of these things that you might associate with a different style of pitcher uh, in a different situation. And obviously that hasn't happened with these guys and uh, that that's another layer of surprise to this. But of course that then circles back to Sahadev's point, which is, you know, we're talking about three outings, right? And even that first one was, was fine. It wasn't good, but it was fine. So it's, it's almost like it's two bad outings. And uh, I think often about, and I made this point recently when writing about Patrick wisdom, who we'll talk about in a moment, but you know, start of the season, we as either fans or, or analysts, or writers, or broadcasters, or anything. We've been without baseball for three, four, five months, and then we have it, and we can talk about it, and we can focus on it, and we can deconstruct it. And it, no matter how many times we caution ourselves annually not to look at the first week or the first two weeks or whatever as like the thing, we still do it. We just, we, we can't help it. We, we've now learned to offer the caveat and be like, well, it's only the, but we still do it. And so if, if Marcus Stroman had two starts, like he's had now in June and he'd had a good stretch before it, it would be so much easier for us to say, ah, you know, his mechanics got a little off for a couple starts, whatever. And you just sort of, it, you just can throw it away so much easier, uh, with wisdom, for example, his start to the season. It was five games, you know, and it was terrible. It was five terrible games. Terrible results didn't look right. But if that happens in June, you know, do we notice? Maybe. Maybe we don't even notice, let alone discuss it and think about, oh, boy, was it a mistake to try to give this guy runway? And so there's your caution. But but before we transition to wisdom, a parting thought on Stroman as it relates to this issue. The tricky thing with starting pitchers is they get only 30 to 32 if they're healthy games and so for as correct as it is to say oh you know four or five six starts that's such a small sample size that's four or five days in a person's life you know where they might be off they might be feeling ill there's a million reasons why you could throw that away but for a starting pitcher it's like a month and a half two months of the season it's it's a huge chunk of what they're supposed to provide you. Two starts is almost ten percent of what they're going to provide you. So it's like you have to have the mindset, I think, as a as an observer, that two things are true. One is that the performance may not tell you much about what's coming next because it's such a small sample. Because a guy can figure it out, whatever. Like it doesn't prove that he's in trouble, but it does mean that a, a big chunk of what you were hoping to get is now sunk, you know, boof to, to, to could have been good starts are now gone. Um, and that's, that's 10 games worth of what a starting pitcher is giving you, right? Cause he only starts every five days. 
Uh, and that sucks. That's you're you're allowed to think that that sucks. That's a bummer. Well, but in general, just to touch on that, like that uh, yesterday was they they were lucky that the rain did come right because it saved the bullpen and and they didn't have to use. I think they got one and two thirds out of Daniel Norris, but then they would have had to cover another two three innings three innings right. Uh, so so they got lucky there, but that. It, it has a cumulative effect uh, in the next game, the game after that, perhaps. And it also is like when you have the this nice start, the so-called nice start at six and six, right? It, they, you know, when you don't have your kind of horses pitching the way you want them to, suddenly like what it could have been a much nicer start, right? We could be talking about a team that's like, is this team surprising? Like their starting pitching is looking pretty, pretty strong. And right now it's just like, Okay, they don't look terrible. The offense is good. They got some questions. It'd be nice if the if the best pitchers were pitching well, you know, and, and that's kind of where it is. And and that's it. So it kind of it sets them back, so to say, from having that really nice start, which uh, is going to impact the team in the sense that this is a team that's a 50-50 coin flip for what, what they do come July as far as a trade deadline. Or I guess it's August, right? Uh, but, yeah, so – so it's it impacts them in that sense. They, they 30, need to get it. thirty seventy coin flip. <laughs> yeah, are there are there <laughs> coins that are that are weighted thirty seventy? So. <laughs> no, your point stands. I just I heard fifty fifty, and I'm like, oh wow, so Hadi's already given them a fifty percent shot of not selling off. That's great. <laughs> Yeah, I think I can't. I can't remember if it was Tim Kawakami or Andrew Baggerly at the Athletic, but I believe they spoke to Farhan about what what the Giants did this offseason. I think the phrase that Farhan used was like the cascading effect of good starting pitching, and like that's why you pay for it up front. And uh, Marcus Stroman uh, has made his feelings known about the Giants, how much he respects that organization and what they've done, and. I think to your guys' point, it's like, yeah, you know, it's kind of setting a tone. It's saving a bullpen. It's, um, you know, kind of sneaking a couple wins early that, you know, obviously it's never about one game, but like those are good. <laughs> kind of already adding up here, right? I mean, between Stroman and Hendricks, there's been what, like four kind of like subpar starts, even allowing for the fact that uh, after a short spring training, you wouldn't expect them to be throwing complete game shutouts, but it's been uh, a little off so far here in April. And one more point to that. So they won the Hendricks start, right, this week. That's the game that they won against the Rays, but they had to use Keegan Thompson in that start, and they weren't – that's not the plan. The plan is to likely use Keegan Thompson and Justin Steele starts, right? So if you you get six, seven innings from Hendricks and win it without using Keegan, did they win the next game too – uh, because they have Keegan uh, following up Steele. And, and I think Jesse Chavez gave up a couple of runs or whoever came in for Steele. So, you know, that's there's that cumulative effect, right? You may win one game of that of the, the, the Kyle Hendricks start, but because Kyle Hendricks didn't pitch like he normally does and didn't go as deep like, like they expect him to, it cost them their best reliever in that game. And they couldn't use him in the next game to hold uh, to likely hold the Rays. And now two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Call one eight hundred DirecTV. 
Claim based on total games carried on sports networks. Sports availability varies by zip code and requires choice package. Terms or restrictions apply. Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic. All right, and we'll get in more to Keegan Thompson, but hold your glutes on that one for a second. We'll <laughs> get back to that. Uh, so, <laughs> Okay, so uh, quickly then, just on Patrick Wisdom, I wanted to both to make this transitional point with respect to Marcus Stroman, how you... Uh, have to be cautious about reading too much into you know such a small sample just because it's april um but then also just to point out how impressive he has looked i mean i think you could not more perfectly show off one week how terrible it can be and one week how unbelievable it can be i mean that was like the most extreme flip of a switch for a guy and i think you have to just as you would caution yourself about the down, you have to caution yourself about the, the, the up. And I, you know, I I think about it in relation to last night's game where the Cubs uh, started Jonathan VR at third base as part of what the, the planned structure is for that position. And I did not have a problem with it. And, And I was, you know, catching a lot of, heat from folks because they're like, how could you sit Patrick Wisdom down when he's so hot right now? And maybe, but keep in mind, a couple of those hot games, he didn't start either. He came in halfway through and he was great. That's that's part of the plan too. What actually ended up bumming me out about Patrick Wisdom not playing is is a part that we don't we still don't talk about enough is that how steady he is at third base and how solid he is as a defender. And that showed early. I mean a, a a double that maybe shouldn't have been a double got by VR in the first inning, a bad Jan Gomes throw that probably shouldn't have got past him, got past VR, uh, a later throwing error that was just sort of a weird, bad, sloppy throw by VR. Uh, you know, those things probably don't happen if Patrick Wisdom is playing third, which is not designed as a shot at VR or the decision to start him. It is more just a credit to the floor that, you know, we, we think about Patrick Wisdom as this upside guy when he shows you the big bat. You know, if he keeps that strikeout rate, if he can just keep it in the range of worst in baseball, as opposed to, <laughs> holy crap, so much worse than the worst in baseball, <laughs> his 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 ability to drive the ball is so singular in, in baseball that, like, he can be a valuable player, even having the worst strikeout rate in baseball. Um, but I think that probably doesn't say enough about the floor that he brings as a quality defender at third base. And um, I think that is just a, just an undersold part of his story. And the part of the reason I'm sure that the Cubs were comfortable, not more aggressively pursuing a surefire corner guy this off season. Uh, You know, Schwindel takes up a lot of the oxygen too, because of how good he was last year. And certainly Patrick wisdom outside of the hot two week start he had last year, he was actually a below average bat uh, thereafter. And uh, it's the glove at third base. I think that is going to help provide him 
a longer runway to go through some of these extreme up and downs that we've seen. And I, for that reason, am all the more excited, I think, to see what he looks like the next couple of months, because I think that that defense is going to just provide some steadying value for the Cubs at third that I think we probably haven't given him enough plaudits for. So that was my piece that I wanted to say on wisdom. Yeah, well, I don't think it will. It definitely has not gone unnoticed by David Ross. You know, uh, he he pointed out without being asked uh, the defensive miscues yesterday. I can't remember what the it may have been a question about the strike zone not being great. And he kind of deflected on that and said, I don't want to get into that just basically because it was bad both ways is what he essentially said. He's like, we, we got to be better. You know, we got to control our strike strike zone. There's going to be missed calls. Um, and, and then I think he kind of switched to like, we just didn't play good enough defense. And he, he pointed, he didn't specify VR, but I mean, that's what it was. Right. And, and VR isn't a good defender. He can move, he can go to multiple positions, but I, I'm sure they don't feel comfortable with him playing short, even though I think he started there one game. And, you know, you'd much prefer to just have him at second. I know, I know third's the easier, technically the the easier position, but I think he may be better at second than at, at third. Uh, or maybe it just was so glaring yesterday. That's that's what, I, <laughs> what I'm seeing uh, for now. But it, it's... That's going to be an issue. You want to get his bat in the lineup because it's a nice contact bat and he can find the gaps and sometimes send one over the fence. But it just it's it's an issue for him to be playing third base or anywhere in the infield, especially when guys like Stroman or Hendricks are on the field. I, I, I hope that doesn't continue to that extent because that's going to be tough to watch. Uh, wisdom. We, I think we said, at least I said last year, I think if you get him to like 35% or slightly below, that's, and like the rest of the profile stays the same. The that's strikeout a rate. I'm talking, that's, that's a, a really good player with that defense. Uh, I mean, that's, that's a really good player. So he's, you know, that was a terrible start. All the more reason not to freak out about those things. Although there were, there was some evidence of concern to, if you wanted to carry over last season's performance the end of last season there there were there were some you know concerns there but right now he's not swinging and missing as much as he did last year just pure swinging and missing strikeouts are still high but the pure swing and miss rate isn't as high as last year it's probably a good sign you have to hope that that's a good sign and and wow when he barrels up the ball like none of I haven't seen a cheapie I don't remember a cheapie with him like everything has been struck hard uh struck well so if he keeps that up like you said, with that defense, that's a, that's a quality player. Just he's, but I think the reality is as good as he may be. And with that floor on defense, there are going to be ugly days, weeks, however long those bad stretches are. You, the key is how, how does he minimize them? Because they are going to happen. It's just a reality with his profile. How, how high, how low are the lows and how long do they last is what I'm uh, curious to see. The other night at the uh, up in the Wrigley press box, like Brad Doolittle turns to me and goes, "Was Patrick Wisdom playing center field on the menu?" And I was kind of like, <laughs> you know, Zadev covered the Colorado series for us, and like with the lockout, I've just been felt a little like disjointed with the coverage. And Zadev did like the last 
stretch of spring training, and I was like, uh, I don't think so. And then when we went over to Wisdom's Locker after the game, he was kind of like, yeah, they brought it up in the middle of the game. I think, if I'm remembering correctly, like this was definitely not like a, you know... <laughs> You know, genius plan that they spit out of the uh, Ivy computer like during the lockout. It was like, hey, uh, can you play center? He's like, yeah, sure. And I think it uh, speaks to a lot to like what they like about him, like his athleticism, um, his versatility. And uh, this is something we talked about last year of like kind of tailoring lineups to uh, pitchers that suit his strengths and, you know, not being locked into the core. And I think the fact that they felt comfortable just throwing him out there in center field on a you know cold, windy night uh, at Wrigley um, speaks to a lot of you know, how they value him and how he could find a role even if he's striking out a ton. And it's kind of like, at this point, why not, right? It's like you've already committed to him this much. He's making virtually nothing in the grand scheme of things. Um see what you got. I mean, that's what Jed Hoyer wants to do. I mean, as fans, I get it if you're frustrated and if you look at the start of like, what if they had more kind of sure things in the, in the lineup and, you know, what that could do. But, I mean, they've already gone this far down that road. They got to see what they got uh, in these guys. I I just have to say, I was watching the game at home and uh, I had no clue Wisdom was out there until, like, this maybe the seventh or eighth inning i was like wait wisdom's playing center what (laughs) i was so thrown off and i had to like triple check i like checked my phone to make sure i was seeing it properly so i did so we asked ross about it because i don't think ross was asked in post game i apparently uh reporters just talked to wisdom right after the game i'm not sure how much ross was asked in post game so i asked him about it and and he's just like yeah Apparently, Willie, it's what uh, Patrick just said. They like his athleticism. He kind of Ross leans on his coaches and Willie Harris said, yeah, he can he could I think he can handle it. And they brought it up to wisdom. And he's like, so if a pop up comes to me, I just got to catch it. Right. And they're like, yep, <laughs> sent him out there. So, I mean, I, I, I think it speaks to a lot of lineup flexibility, roster flexibility and something that Ross has been wanting to do. Uh, and sometimes you have to sacrifice defense to get the pitching matchup and keep that pitching matchup uh, in the lineup. Uh, and, uh, you know, I, I like seeing those types of risks taken uh, when when there's a specific purpose in mind. It, you know, let's sacrifice some defense for offense in this specific situation. And, you know, it didn't hurt them there, but but I like I like the general concept. You know what's the worst part of a, doing a three-man booth in a podcast is, you know, you start percolating this great point that you want to make. You're like, oh man, can't Did wait till the mic can't wait till the mic gets back to me. I'm gonna nail this shit, and then Zahadif jumps in and <laughs> makes a version of the point. And you're like, damn oh. it, he just said it. <laughs> no, it's fine. I uh, I kid because that was that was well put. And to to uh, close the close the loop on that, I think that we have to remember when we see those weird things like that, that it's a combination of the opportunity that a season like this affords you to give runway to a player and learn about the player like Patrick Wisdom, but also runway to the team and the manager to try things that would not be possible if you had certain set guys like we've seen for the last six, seven years you know, yes, Chris Bryant moved around. Sure. But like, you weren't going to be able to try some really weird, uh, risk stuff. Like what Sahadev's talking about where you're like, you know what? 
let's take the chance. Let's take the risk on some defense so that we can keep the matchup that we want and let's see how it plays out. We just haven't been able to see that with the Cubs for a very long time. And so uh, that both of those things, I think, were well demonstrated by that decision to bring in wisdom when he did. I remember he's, he's pinch hitting for Jason Hayward and it's like you start thinking, okay, how are they going to coordinate this? Who's going to move to where? It's like, no, he's just going to take Jason Hayward's spot in center field. Okay, well, give it a try. See what happens. Uh, I dig that. Uh, so, well put, Mooney. Well put, Sahadev. Poorly summarized, Brett. Uh, okay, so let's talk a bit now about the piece that uh, was... Is it your piece, Sahadev? Was it Patrick's piece? Was it a combo? Yeah, it was, it was mine. Okay. Uh, I don't want to accidentally give... Mooney any credit uh, <laughs> Sahadev is the athletics gl- activating the glutes expert he is the glute he is the glute whisperer I feel like a glute whisperer is something else but uh, so here's here's where we are and why we keep alluding to uh, glutes so Sahadev wrote a piece on Keegan Thompson who is the you know again all Sample size and early season caveats apply in the positive direction on this one, but uh, he has looked fantastic. It's not just results in his three multi-inning fireman uh, duty outings. It's that the pitches look fantastic. He physically looks fantastic. Uh, just just everything about his three outings have, have looked so good. And so Saadev wrote a great piece about how he's gotten to that place, what the Cubs have worked on with him mechanically, uh, physically, and the the part that we're joking about is that a big component of what they wanted to work on with him is making sure that as he's delivering, that he's activating that back leg glute. Uh, and I'll I'll leave it to you then, Tadev, to to take that and go into it. But I wanted to try out. Yeah. There was the thing that Tommy Havdi was talking about, where he's like, you know, stand on one leg, lift the other. It feels very heavy, but now consciously focus on activating the glute and the hamstring and the other leg and you'll see it's suddenly lighter i'm going to do that i'm going to set down my mic right now while you're talking and i'm going to to try it right now and so by the time the rotation gets back to me i will be able to tell you if that is accurate <laughs> don't worry I'll, I'll do it off i'll do it off camera so you don't so, so, so you can not make, distracted yes yeah, so you're not distracted by my incredible glutes uh I mean, ultimately, what I think this is a story about multiple aspects of of player development and and just how it all works and oh and man, how you use it's technology. totally true. Sorry, I couldn't <laughs> I could not wait for it to get back to me. That's unbelievable. Like you stand on one leg, and you lift one leg, and it's like okay, yeah, that, I feel all of that leg lifting. It seems kind of heavy, but then if you like really squeeze your glute, squeeze your hamstring, just like on your on your plant leg. It's yeah. like there's nothing there at all in the other leg. <laughs> That's amazing. Okay, now you can go. Well, so just on that, like it, it was interesting to me. I've uh, you know I've heard a lot about this, like activate the lat, activate the scapula. Like I've heard like pitchers talk a lot about these things. Uh, it's just you know, it's not. Sometimes it's a conscious thing, but it's just making sure you use your muscles properly, or making sure you use a certain part of your body properly, and and are engaging that muscle or part of your body. And that's, you know, that, that was something that Keegan wasn't doing properly. When he got hurt at the end of last, uh, near the end of last season, uh, it, 
they wanted to use that time to get him healthy, of course, but they also looked at it as a chance to like, okay, there's some flaws here that we think we can correct and focus on. Uh, and and so Hanavi can't just like say like, well, here's here's a mechanical flaw. Let's correct it. Right. There there are there are steps that need to be taken. And, and he's been very conscious of uh, working with strength and conditioning and working with the training staff and making sure that, hey, does this guy have – here's what we're seeing. We, we need to get this guy to do this. Are there any restrictions in how his body works right now? What, you guys, what we know about his body that can keep him from doing that. And if they say no, he, his body works perfectly fine uh, to be able to pull off that maneuver, then, then it's all on the pitching infrastructure, right, to like get it right, talk to the pitcher, figure out ways to get the mechanics right. If they're saying, well, you know what, he doesn't, you know, there, there are some strength issues here. We can we can focus on this. He's a little light on flexibility here. Uh, then then they, you know, come up with a plan with strength and conditioning and with training to to fix those issues. And that was the case here where towards the end of last season, they couldn't really go all in and say, hey, we want you to make two more starts. But first, you need to strengthen this part of your body and, and get this right and focus on this. So they kind of just kind of altered his his delivery, and I there were two gifts in there, and it's really hard. It, it's very slight, but essentially what he's doing is last year, towards the end of last year, when he was really good in that final start, he kind of uh, lifts his leg and kind of crouches his torso toward his leg, and that that keeps him from putting full full weight and full balance on his back leg, right? And it's a little less athletic, but it worked out for him. He had a really good outing that kind of built his confidence. They ended it there, ended his season there. And on a good point, feel good, and then really work on this stuff in the offseason. We're going to work on activating the glute, right? You think about that. We're going to work on strengthening your body in certain areas. Uh, really focus on the lower half. I, I mean, Patrick, I'm sure you noticed when you got to spring training, uh, but Keegan looks significantly leaner. I, I'm sure you guys can see it on the mound, too, Brett, just on TV. Uh his body looks different. He looks different uh, physically. And that isn't just like I'm getting in shape. It was just something specific in mind. And along with the using of, of different, you know, uh, of strength and conditioning and training and uh, pitching infrastructure uh, going hand in hand, I also find it fascinating how how they use tools, technological tools, and it's not a be all end all, right? We can, we've, we've, we've had technology that shows us even in the public when a guy's arm slot is off. Right. But it's not as simple as saying, well, okay, you got to throw from a higher arm slot, right? There's something leading to your arm slot being off. Okay. And then with, with Keegan, they saw in his windup, his arm slot was off. Okay. With Kinetrax, they could see that his hips weren't uh, lined up properly in his delivery. Okay. So those two and things don't weren't. Lie. Yeah. <laughs> That is true. Uh, so, so those two, those were just symptoms. Those were red flags that they saw, but they still had to figure out how, what's where does this start? And it started at his base. His, uh, you know, he wasn't properly it's all balanced. about that base. And it, <laughs> I'm going to keep doing that. Just yeah, yeah, no, it works. It's, it's. Uh, <laughs> I'm just setting you up perfectly here. <laughs> and, uh, and, you know, if you're not. Uh, if you're not properly using your legs in your delivery, it's going to screw everything up. And while he was able to get away with it in that final start last year with that modified delivery, what they really wanted him to be is strong and athletic and fluid and really, really let him just use his entire body. And by strengthening his lower half and really activating that those muscles, he 
he looks more fluid even in the delivery you can see it's more fluid and the stuff is ticked up significantly like everything is better all the stuff is better you look at the metrics on the stuff the fastball rises more than it did he's getting swing and miss in the zone on the fastball and now he he's not gripping it differently he's not doing anything other than this this is the change and it's not and it's not spinning differently it's it's just better it's it's just a more efficient his his mechanics are more efficient what was the line tommy said like basically if you're in his delivery he was exerting too much energy at certain points anytime you have to exert more energy to get your delivery off that's going to hurt your stuff you're you're wasting energy and that's keeping you from getting your best stuff was the stuff bad last year no at times no it was pretty good but it's better now like I said, the fastball well, remember, rises more, the curveball drops, and the and the cutter has more horizontal movement. Everything yeah. is moving better. Remember how weird it was? Uh, it was a whole thing we probably talked about on the podcast, how he would just never get any swing and miss. And right. It's like his stuff looks pretty good. Why is he not getting any swing and miss? It was a whole thing. So, yeah, you can almost tell from the swing and miss this year that, like, everything must have ticked up because he's, he's getting swing and miss now on everything. Yeah. It's, it's just a – and just overall, like these types of uh, pitchers, it, I, I liked Ross said, uh, said, you know, back when he was catching, like uh, teams had long men in the bullpen, right? And it was just a wasted roster spot in the bullpen. You got, you pitched that guy if you were down eight runs, up eight runs, and, and that's it. Like he got used once every few weeks, if that, right? Like they, it was just a wasted roster spot. Now, multi-inning reliever guy relievers are huge they're just an essential part of a bullpen now good teams have good multi-inning relievers if keegan thompson can it's three outings but he has nine and two-thirds innings he's he's pitching like he's pitching starter innings imagine if he can do this he's going to give up runs eventually right (laughs) he's not going to have a zero zero era but if he can do a hundred, if he can pitch a hundred innings or get close to that, it, I mean that is just such a valuable pitcher. If he's going to be able to come close to this level for for nearly a hundred innings, that's that's a really valuable weapon in today's game, especially when you have starters that can only go four or five innings. It suddenly it makes that less of a concern. Uh, obviously, you it, want a couple guys at the front to, it makes, to go six or seven. It, it also allows you to use certain guys as starters that you might not otherwise right. like who could be really good. But it's like, Oh, but he can only be good for four innings. So we can't use him as a starter. Suddenly you can. Yep. It's just a huge weapon and it completely changes that dynamic. And, and it's something that, you know, four years ago, Jed Hoyer would have said like, I want starters that go six, seven, eight, nine innings and philosophies change as you see, as the game evolves and, and as, as we learn how pitching development is kind of changing, uh, this is, and this is also kind of like what the Cubs have developed, right? Like you can say you, we can complain all we want about the Cubs not developing a starting pitcher in a while. Well, they, they've kind of understood now that, okay, these guys aren't starting pitchers, not traditionally. So, so use them in in their best role. And, you know, if Alzali was healthy, if Braylon Marquez was healthy, maybe they'd be in similar roles as well. And you'd have a really dynamic multi-inning, multiple multi-inning weapons in the bullpen. But right now you have Keegan and he's pretty electric. Saad, I've alluded to this earlier with Thompson. Like, he was unrecognizable. I mean, granted, we were not allowed in, in the clubhouse the last 
two years. And when we were allowed on the field last season, it would be like 15 pitchers walking off the field at once. I'm not pretending like I have some uh, great relationship with uh, Keegan Thompson, but I was like, wait, who is this guy? And I was like, maybe it was just me. And then someone asked after one of his first outings, I think he lost maybe 15, 20 pounds. He like physically looks like a different person almost. And after reading your story, it made a, a lot more sense in terms of kind of unlocking that athleticism and, you know, give him a lot of credit. I think he said he was going on a honeymoon or getting married this offseason, something like that. So he really kind of sat down on the front end of that with like before the lockout with like the training staff and the nutrition uh, department to kind of put a program in place so that he could, whenever spring training started, be in that place uh, physically. And, um, you know, your story kind of really put that, uh, lock that into place of, okay, like this is, if it continues uh, even after an eventual downturn, if he is that kind of productive guy, I mean, that's a, a huge win uh, across the board uh, for a lot of different departments. And it can give uh, Cubs fans some real insight into what they're doing underneath the hood and what could be maybe replicated in the future. Yeah, that's it right there is you hope that this is, you know, every player is, individual and unique in a million ways of course but you hope that there's something replicable there in the connection between the body the use of that body the training of that body and then the way it affects your arsenal and your pitches and and just the way all of those things work together you'd love to see uh, what the cubs have done with a lot of like the imported guys you know that we've seen over many years the reclamation guys they've done well Let's let's see that with the guys who are coming up and and a guy like Keegan Thompson is a perfect example, because as he was rising through the system, I remember uh, because I'm a huge prospect nerd that the the story on him was a pretty high floor. You know, he's got a lot of usable pitches, might be able to contribute as like a fifth starter up and down guy, um, but, you know, kind of limited ceiling, not necessarily a lot of like uh, there's there's not going to be a lot of swing and miss. And then you would see stories about a little bit of velocity gain here a little bit added movement here and that's what we want to see from the cubs with their own pitchers coming up is like you want to see guys who rise and are like oh suddenly that's a dude and he was not um on our radar uh, a year or two ago so just love everything about the keegan thompson story and then uh you should read sahadi's piece on him specifically and then try to engage your glutes do it it's just it's good in life i have been all morning while i've been writing i've been engaging my glutes and just my mechanics on on writing have been much better much crisper smoother production uh <laughs> all right enough of those shenanigans folks we appreciate you as always listening to us uh this is on to waveland it's the cubs podcast here at the athletic i'm brett taylor catch my stuff at bleacher nation that's the hot of sharma and patrick mooney catch their glutes at the athletic and we will be back at you early next week after the cubs face the pirates at Wrigley field for four and uh you know rate review subscribe get us wherever you get your podcast tell your friends and take it easy have a good weekend
As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager.